our guest speaker, um, that is Pastor Ben Davis in our midst. Uh, pastor Ben Davis is a pastor of Anchor Church in West End in Southampton. And uh, he has been a, a great friend almost close to 20 years. Uh, I have known him and his family. Uh, so it is great to have him here. So I will just uh, hand over the mic to him. Amen. Good morning. Would you like to turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 34? Psalm 34. I've got to be careful this morning that I don't preach for too long. How many of you believe blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be invited back? This is actually an extremely significant morning for me because in the springtime of 1986, I came to this church site. It wasn't this building then, it was an old green shack. And I was coming to church here back in the days of uh, Stanmore Evangelical Free Church, if any of you've ever heard of it. And uh, because of the witness of this church, I came to the Lord <clears throat> here. There was a baptismal service going on here. This is in the springtime of 1986 we're talking about. And the conviction on my life that evening was so incredible. I went out, the, I was fighting not to cry. And I went out of the door, got in my car, drove home, went into my house uh, in Shawford, closed the bedroom door behind me, closed the curtain, sat on the end of the bed, and I prayed the sinner's prayer. And I was born again. And... Uh, as you can see, I've been going, still going for it. Even I got really stuck in with this church, led worship. It used to play the piano. The piano used to be here. And I played the piano in this building. So this building was actually built when I was here. And, uh, but the piano used to be here. And I, I did every service, I think, for about three and a half years. So this is very significant for me to come back here today and, uh, and be able to preach to you. So Psalm 34, <clears throat> are you there? I'm just going to read the first four verses to you. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and, hear and rejoice. You know, my soul will boast in the Lord. You know, I remember when I was young... I used to brag about my dad. You know, little boys, they have tremendous admiration for their fathers. I can remember I used to talk to my friends and brag about my dad. And that principle is now true spiritually with my heavenly father. Can you say amen? We can brag about him, you know. We're not supposed to brag about ourselves, but we can definitely brag about him. Jesus said in John 10, 29, my father is greater than all. And here in Psalm 34, you've got the psalmist here saying, my soul boasts in the Lord. He's bragging on the Lord, isn't he? And then verse 3 says, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. The King James Bible for this verse says, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. 
You know, when you magnify something, you put a magnifying glass in, in front of something, it doesn't actually make the thing any bigger. What it does do is it makes your perspective of it bigger. Amen? And David here is deliberately and intentionally making his perspective of God bigger. That's what we've got to do. When you magnify the Lord, you magnify the Word of God, you're making your perspective of Him very intentionally bigger and more powerful, which then sets you up for verse 4, which says, I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and He delivered me from all my fears. So David here is testifying to the fact that he sought the Lord, and the Lord answered him and delivered him of all of his fears. Amen. Now, if David sought the Lord, and the Lord answered him and delivered him of all of his fears, what do you think will happen if you seek the Lord? Come on, someone. What will happen? Do you think, you know, if you sought the Lord and you were delivered of all of your fears, think about it, if you got delivered of all of your fears, how many fears would you now have? It's interesting, you know, Sanjay was, uh, he, he, he spoke the, the verse out, First Peter 5, whatever it is, 7 I think it is, cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Do you know, uh, <clears throat> this is an ongoing thing, you know, but uh, recently I was in my depot at work and I walked out of the warehouse across a car park about 10 yards and then into the office. And as I walked through the car park, my, I was burdened with all of the burdens of the day and I did the cast. I cast all my burdens onto the Lord. Just as I was walking through this, it's like a 10-yard walk from a warehouse into an office. I walked through this car park and I did the cast. Boof. I cast all my burdens on the Lord. And I felt something change down here. I felt something change. I felt a release down here. Can you say amen? amen. <laughs> I like Vic. He's encouraging. <laughs> but if you cast all your burdens upon the Lord, how many burdens would you now have? How many would you have? Amen. You know, fear, it's something which dominates this world. It causes people to not live creative and productive lives. This year especially, you know, people are afraid of the economy, what have you. Uh, the media are whipping up a lot of fear about it. How many of you believe the word of God, that God is going to meet all your needs according to his riches in glory? I don't think with God there's ever a recession, you know. There's an incredible statement in the Word of God, incredible statement. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. You all know this, don't you? And all of his provision will come after it. What a statement. What a statement. And it's based on blood, you know, which means that you can absolutely stand on it and believe, believe it. But you know, there is a command that appears in the Word of God more than any other command. Do you know what it is? The subject matter that I've been talking about this morning may give it away. A command that appears in the Word of God more than any other command. It's a command to not do something. It's the command to not be afraid. Do not fear. It appears in the Word of God over 370 times more than any other command. It is the command, don't fear. 
And uh, I was very struck, actually, with another Psalm of David. We all love Psalm 23, don't we? Because we like to, we like to, uh, we like the still waters and the, you know, the quiet waters, what have you. But how about this? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why not? Because there's someone greater. There is some greater fact involved in the situation. God is with us. You know, faith in God is never a denial of reality. Faith is all about arming the person with the greater facts of God's word. So we all on our own different levels, we all walk through the valley of the shadow of death on whatever level you're at. But when you're going through a place where you're experiencing fear, you don't have to yield yourself to it. You don't have to resist to it because we know someone greater who is on the inside of us and he is absolutely with us. If David could say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of of death, I will fear no evil, we can say the same thing because it's all in the Bible for our benefit. God is with us. You know, God is with you, Emmanuel. He's in you. He draws alongside you to help. He goes in front of you. He comes behind you. He undergirds you, and he comes upon you. Amen. I can show you Bible for all of those. I said I could show you Bible for all of those. He's in you. He draws alongside to help. That's the paraclete. He goes in front of you. He comes behind you. He undergirds you, and he comes upon you. So I don't think he could be more with us, even if he tried, could he? The thing is, you can't see him. So it's a walk of faith. Now, I was thinking about Romans 1. The Bible says that God is clearly seen in creation so that men are without excuse. Do you know, in the creation, there is enough just in creation. You can't actually see God, but you can see what he's made. I think I'm right in saying that the Bible teaches that if you actually saw God with your physical eyes, that you would die because the glory is just too great. I think there are scriptures that say that. So you can't actually see God, but you can see that his existence is clearly seen in creation so that men are without excuse. So if somebody never heard a preacher in their entire life, they're still without excuse because there's enough evidence of the existence. His existence is clearly seen in creation so that men are without excuse. Hallelujah. But we can't see him, so it's a walk of faith, but he is with us. Now, what's the opposite of fear? Yes, it is. Faith. Let me give you a definition for fear. Fear is believing something that hasn't happened yet. Let me give you a definition for faith. Faith is believing something that hasn't happened yet. So it's the exact same definition, but one is good, one is bad, one is in God, one's in the devil, one is positive, one is negative. You know, uh, years ago, I was preaching a message down these lines in a church and on the subject of overcoming fear, and a woman came up to me afterwards and she said to me, it's very difficult, she said, but I'm going to try. And I said to her, and I was very sensitive, you know what I mean? People of God, got to walk in love. And she said she was going to try, and I said to her, no, I said, it's not something that you try, it's something you do. Do you hear me? Overcoming fear is not something that you try, 
It's something that you do. You just do it. Boom. Amen. You make a decision right now. Boom, boom, boom. Tankity tank, whatever. <clears throat> it's a command. Do not give place to fear. Don't fear. It's commanded. You don't try it. You just do it. Boom. Do I hear an amen? How about these students? Do I hear an amen for these students here? Look at these lovely students. <clears throat> King Alfred? King Alfred? Yeah. Oh, is it not called that now? Oh, is it? Oh, okay. You know, God didn't say try not to be afraid. He said don't. It's a command. And it's a mandate for faith. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 1.7, he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, power, and of sound mind, self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, power, and of sound mind. I remember when I was at Roffey Place, I had to stand up, we all did, and about something like 10 times, maybe more, just say, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And it does something to you, you know, when you say that. I encourage you today, when you go home, get in front of the mirror, point to the person in the mirror and say, hey, pal, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, power, and sound mind. And say it about 10 times. And it'll do something for you. But, you know, there clearly are spirits of fear. Fear is spiritual. Fear got in, you know, when Adam disobeyed the word of God in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 10. That's where you see fear getting in. There is a verse in the Bible that says that perfect love casts out fear. 1 John 4, 18. You know this verse, don't you? Do you know, I can remember reading this verse for years, and I couldn't get it. I couldn't get what it was saying. I'd read it, and I just couldn't feel the meaning and I would say to people this verse here perfect love casts out fear I'll say to people what does it mean and they would say well, what it means is that perfect love casts out fear and I'd say oh great well thanks very much that really that really helped me and then one day I was listening to a preacher and he just tweaked it a little bit he said perfected love I'll just say that again he said, perfected love cast out fear. And I got it. Perfected love. In a, you know, this word perfect, it translates as complete. Be perfect as your heavenly father. Is be complete as your heavenly father is complete. It's the same word. So it's, it's perfected speaks of a process. It's a journey of learning. It's a maturing. You know, we've all experienced the love of God in our lives. Have we not? But that love, there still is this process where you learn more and more about it, and the love matures, it perfects, and as it does, it pushes fear out of your life. Now, what I've done this morning is I've written down a list of all the things that I could, well, this is not by any means an exhaustive list, but things that I could think of that Jesus has died to give to us. You know, maybe one of the greatest prayers that you could ever pray in your life is to pray and ask God to reveal to you more and more and more and more just how vast is this love of Jesus, the vastness of the love of God for you. His love for you is absolutely vast. And we've got, some, we've got it. 
But there's a journey of learning where you increase more and more. You know, you can pray that God would reveal to you just how high and wide and long and deep is this love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You know, I don't think there's anything that you can do to make God love you more. It's a nice thought, isn't it? There's nothing that you can do to make God love you more. But what you can do is you can pray and you can ask God to enlighten you with references so that you get more revelation, understanding of it. Do you understand? There is a... Would you like to turn to Ephesians 1? There is a continual prayer that the Apostle Paul prays for the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 1. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. How many of you know that your heart has eyes? Anybody? Your heart, it has eyes. You know, when the Bible talks about the heart of a man or the heart of a person, it's not talking about this physical organ in here that pumps blood around your body. It's talking about your inmost being, the heart of a man. And your heart, it has eyes. You say, well, where in the Bible does it say that? Glad you asked. It's right here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So these Ephesian Christians, they know God the Father, but Paul is praying for them that they would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in order that they would know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart, there it is, see that? The eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and, look at this next statement here, his incomparably great power for us who believe. You know, I love this statement here. His incomparably great power for us who believe. I could just stand here all day long and just say, his incomparably great power for us who believe. This morning we're talking about his incomparably great power for us who believe. How many of you would like to get more revelation understanding of his incomparably great power for us who believe? Now this, this knowledge doesn't come to you through your intellect. It comes to you by praying that the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation would give you more revelation knowledge of this incredible love. You know, I'm going to talk to you now about some of the things that, you know, and this list is not by any means exhaustive. <clears throat> Remember Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, bless his holy name. Forget not all his benefits. Let's not forget all his benefits. Jesus died, you know, to give us abundant life. And the word for life here is the word zoe. And zoe doesn't just mean life. It means life. It means abundant life. The same kind of life that God enjoys is imparted to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. We actually get the word zoo, zoological from the word zoe, place of life. Uh, 
But according to the word of God, if someone does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, they're not going to be able to enjoy life, abundant life in all of its fullness. So Jesus died on the cross to give us abundant life. You know, the difference between Christianity and all of the other so-called religions is that our founder, Jesus, is alive. He's alive. And all of the other founders of all of the other so-called religions, they're dead. Jesus once was dead, but now he is alive forevermore. Revelation 1.18. And the Bible says that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know, we are blessed with every single spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. You know, I believe that when you pray, don't just pray and ask God to bless you. So much prayer is just, oh God, bless me, bless me. I believe when you pray, don't just ask God to bless you. Pray and ask God to make you a blessing. Pray and ask God to make you a blessing. Do you remember Abraham, Genesis 12 2? God spoke to him and said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Abraham is an example to us. He's our father, actually, for them that live by faith. He's, he's one of the great Old Testament models. And God says to him, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, Ephesians 1 3. So when you pray, don't just pray and ask God to bless, pray and ask God to make you a blessing. To be blessed means to be divinely and supremely empowered and favored by God. And we've already blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Jesus died for us so that we would be declared the righteousness of God. You know, we are righteous. We are righteous. If you sinned this morning before you came to church, it doesn't actually take you out of Christ, does it? I said, if you sinned this morning before you came to church, it doesn't take you out of Christ. You're still in Christ, which means you're still righteous, because he's our righteousness. You know, God would never entrust righteousness to your performance. He entrusted it to Jesus' performance for you. There is an amen. You could say amen to that. Now, sanctification, that's a big word, isn't it, sanctification? It's the process, the daily process of you becoming holy. That is dependent upon your performance. Sanctification is temporal. It's the ongoing practice. But righteousness is positional. It's our position in Christ because of what he did for us. There is a verse, actually, Hebrews 10, 14. It says, by the one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those being made holy. So we're there perfect forever because by the one sacrifice but we're getting there we're there because of him and we're getting there because of us the whole time we're getting there we're already there because of what Jesus did for us so sanctification if you like is the process where you get your everyday life to more and more line up with your position do you understand that? But your faith in Jesus causes you to have the exact same level of righteousness that he has imputed to you. That is true. He died for us so that we could know redemption and justification. He died for us so that we could know adoption. We've been adopted into his family, have we not? 
John 1.12 says, To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of a natural descent nor of a human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. So he died so that we could know sonship. He died for us so that we could know the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You could go through all of those, you know. I mean, love. He has lavished on us an everlasting love, has he not? An eternal and everlasting love. He's lavished on us an eternal and everlasting love. A love that just goes on. You know, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Are you glad about that? (laughs) He's given us joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I love that expression. That expression, joy unspeakable and full of glory, is in 1 Peter 1.8. It comes out of the context of them knowing incredible trials. So when you go through trials, it doesn't actually take away your joy. The joy of the Lord is our... If you're not joyful, then you're not going to be strong. We need to be... We need to be joyful. I remember when I was first a Christian, they talk about joy. I remember thinking I needed to try harder. You don't need to try harder. You just need to get in God, and then you get all the joy. (laughs) You get all the joy you need. He died for us so that we could know access. Ephesians 2.18. Think about that. Access. Access to the throne of grace. He died for us so that we could have access. Do you hear that? He died for us so that we could have a prayer life. You know, I've written down in my notes this morning, Philippians 4, 6, which Sanjay opened the service with. Be, you know, he, when you pray about something, if your prayer didn't get answered exactly as you wanted it to be, it doesn't totally matter, you know, because the, <clears throat> just in doing it causes the peace of God which transcends all understanding to guard your hearts and minds. You know, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus died for us so that we could know healing. So I recently did a series in my church on divine healing. I just taught for seven whole weeks on it and could have gone on a lot longer than that because it's such a huge subject and I'm going to just gloss over it. But there's so much healing in the Bible. You know, just prior to Jesus going to the cross, he was whipped with cat nine tails 39 times, blood shed. This is before he's gone to the cross. And we need to announce this, you know, and represent what he did in those 39 lashes properly. They're called stripes. They are substitutionary stripes, you know, Surely he bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Big subject. But let's get tough with sickness. Let's resist it. Let's take authority over it. We need to say, if Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our pains, what in the world are we doing, Baronham? Do you believe healing's in the atonement? Yeah? Assemblies of God does have that in its statement of faith, I believe. Gotta be, gotta be. You know, one of the things I say quite a lot is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus won a great victory for us. But it's up to us to enforce it. 
Do you hear that? It's up to us to enforce it. One of the things I quite like doing, watch me do this. See what I'm doing? Can't do it for long. Some people think it's silly to do that, but you know, we are standing on the Word of God. We're standing on the Word of God. Your faith is what helps you to win battles. Your faith is something that increases. Faith is something which grows as a mustard seed. It has to be developed in every area. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You know, it's not enough to live by hope. We have to live. When you pray for healing, it's not enough when you pray for healing to pray with hope. We have to pray with faith. And praying with faith is all about taking hold. It's all about taking hold in your prayer. Jesus died to give us deliverance. You know, we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son of God. Colossians 1.13. We have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and we have been brought into the kingdom of the Son of God. It's a past tense accomplishment. It's a present tense reality. Jesus died so that we could know provision in our lives. This year, God is going to provide for us. And the word abundance is a word that describes the nature of God. Jesus died so that we could know the favor of God. You know, my favorite verse in the Bible is Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may remain for a night, but joy comes in the morning. His anger lasts a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Psalm 30, verse 5. My favorite verse. Jesus died so that you could know the wisdom of God in your life. Wisdom is the principal thing. It is supreme. The Bible says, get it. Get it. Proverbs 4, 7, get it. It's on the table. You know, when I was growing up, my mum would ring a bell when it was dinner time, and she would say, come and what? The same is true of wisdom. You know, God says it's on the table. Proverbs 4, 7, get it. Thank God for wisdom. You know, I need, I, I wait on the wisdom of God five, ten times a day, you know. James 1 says, if you pray for wisdom with reference to the trials of life, you'll get it. Jesus died for us so that we could know divine protection. How many of you know Psalm 91? Read Psalm 91. It will teach you wonderfully. Psalm 91 is my favorite psalm. I even prefer it over Psalm 23. Ah. Read Psalm 91. It is the most incredible psalm about the protection of God. Jesus died for you so that you could know the plans, the purposes, and the pursuits which God's already prepared for you. He died for you so that you could know the promises of God. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes and amen. He died so that you could know the hope of glory. He died so that you could know citizenship. Our citizenship is in the heaven. He died for you so that you could know the mercies of God. His mercies are what? New every morning. That means, every, it means tomorrow morning when you wake up, there's a load of mercy waiting on you that you can get up and bask in. Amen. He died for you for your freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. He died for you so that you could be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He died for you so that you could have the wasted years in your life restored. Jesus died so that the years the locusts eat 
Joel 3.10, wasted years can be restored. He died for you so that you could know rest. You know, I became a Christian years ago because of the witness of this place. And when I became a Christian, I entered into rest. And I've been at rest ever since. I'm just finishing now. Two minutes. I've been at rest ever since, you know. The Bible says make every effort to enter into rest. The, the, the Sabbath day rest is something that we enter into by faith. It's a come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy. So when we become Christians, we, we enter into rest, thank God. Because rest is the answer for so much, isn't it? doesn't mean we're lazy because it, it means that we're at rest even while we're active. Hallelujah. He died so that you could know intimacy with him. He died for you so that you're, you can have friends. Thank God for, the, for friends of a kindred spirit in the family of God. You know, the friends that you keep, they will shape you. I said they will shape you. Friends you keep are very, very important. But thank God, Jesus died for us. We, we are all fellows in the same ship. And the last one I've got here is that Jesus died for you so that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. And that's it for now. I mean, you understand that that is not by any means an exhaustive list. But it's all good news. It is all good news. Shall we bow our heads? Let's pray. You know, all of these things that I've been talking about this morning, they're all ours. They belong to us. They're bought and paid for by blood. Forever settled. And as we pray, we need to take hold. Father, we thank you this morning for abundant life. We thank you that you've lavished on us an everlasting love. We thank you that you've declared us to be righteous and justified in your sight. We thank you this morning that we are divinely and supremely favoured by you. Adopted into your family and born of God. We thank you for the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Hallelujah. We thank you this morning that we have access, access to you, to your throne. We thank you that you have provided healing for us. Help us to understand that more and take hold. Thank you that we are delivered. Thank you for the wisdom that you give to us on a day-by-day -day basis for the, affair, the affairs of life. Thank you for protection and be able to abide in your shadow. We thank you for plans, purposes, and pursuits that you've chosen from the foundation of the earth for us to walk in. We thank you for the promises of God. We thank you that our citizenship is in heaven. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. We thank you that when we abide in the vine, there is good sap that comes from your vine continually. We thank you that you've set us free. Thank you that you've restored the wasted years. Thank you for the intimacy we have with you. Thank you for divine rest. Thank you for friends that will last forever. And we thank you for the hope of glory.